everyone. Thank you uh, for joining us today in this most important conversation, protecting our children. We want to open up the event today with a prayer from Pastor Archer Wilson. Well, thank you so much for coming. Let me just uh, bow hands and, and pray. We have gathered here today for our children, and there's nothing more holier than the children. It feels like more and more that our own government that we have elected and those that swore to protect the most vulnerable are doing everything but protecting our children. So, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I, I pray, Father, for your justice. I pray, Father, for your mighty hand to come. And justice demands retribution and Father God, we cannot have that with the corrupted government officials and those that sort to protect us and our children. So we're coming to you and we're asking you to be our protector, defender, and the one that will bring the justice. I pray, Father, that every word that we've spoken today give us the wisdom and touch the hearts of those that will be listening. I pray that there will be someone out there that will be able to say, I want to spread the word around. I want the people to know what's happening in our beloved country, in our beloved Alberta. I pray, Father God, that the children that are being abused, kidnapped, and raped in our own province, Father God, I pray that you would set them free from their captors and that you would heal them from the damage the enemy wants to put upon them in the name of jesus i thank you father for everyone that is watching for those that came and we give you all the glory father god for everything amen thank you art yeah this is a most important conversation and i just wanted to thank all the panelists today for coming and, and standing with Jamie and uh, with this brave mother as she goes through what she's gone through. And it's time for leaders to stand together and inspire many people to stand up and, and support uh, people like Jamie and their children. Uh, we're going to have Dr. William Mackis. Uh, he's going to open with a recorded, pre-recorded message. And then uh, we'll have, uh, I'll give myself some time to read a statement. And then we have uh, Danny Beaufort is going to join us also with a pre-recorded statement. Uh, Jamie will then speak. And uh, Dr. Paul Alexander will be joining us via virtual. And Dr. Roger Hodgkinson will say a few words. And then we'll close with Pastor Arthur Close. So uh, I'd like to open with uh, Dr. Willie Mackis. He's been uh, uncovering a uh, very concerning thing in Alberta Health Services that has spilled over to British Columbia Health Services, and that's the protection of doctors that are pedophiles and executives also. So uh, Dr. Mackis has put out the message of a three-part series that he put out, and it went international, and it's got a lot of traction because this conversation is being talked about not only in Alberta now, but across Canada and all over the world. And this is a, a light is being shone on this conversation to uh, expose this evil evil thing that's happening to people and to our children. Hello, 
My name is Dr. William Mackis. I am a nuclear medicine radiologist and oncologist based in Edmonton, Alberta. Last month, I published three articles on pedophilia, child sex abusers, and child pornographers at the highest levels of the Alberta healthcare system. These stories uh, went viral internationally. They were read by millions of people all around the world. And of course, they were completely ignored by Alberta's mainstream media, uh, who have been ignoring this issue for a long time. I'm going to briefly describe these three stories to you because the details are absolutely horrific and they show just how much rot and corruption there is in Alberta's healthcare system and judicial system. The first story involves an Alberta Health Services executive, a top executive, Dr. Albert de Villiers. Dr. Albert de Villiers was an AHS chief medical officer of health during Rachel Notley's NDP government from 2015 to 2019. He was the chief medical officer of health of the Northern Zone. There are five zones in Alberta, so he was the one of the top five doctors in Alberta. He reported to AHS CEO Dr. Verna Yu and AHS chief medical officer Dr. Francois Belanger. During Rachel Notley's government, starting in 2017, Dr. Devoliers started sexually assaulting a seven-year-old boy. And according to the RCMP, at least two other children. He continued these sexual assaults while employed as an AHS executive, but he also had another position. He was appointed by Rachel Notley and her health minister, Sarah Hoffman, as the pediatrics lead in the Alberta Ministry of Health. So he was given a top position as the leader of pediatricians, despite the fact that he had no pediatrics training whatsoever. He started assaulting, sexually assaulting a seven-year-old boy in 2017, and these assaults continued until July of 2020, when he abruptly left Alberta to British Columbia. We don't know why he left, but in British Columbia, the BC NDP government gave him another top healthcare position this time as the Chief Medical Officer of Health of BC Interior Health, reporting to Dr. Bonnie Henry, who's the Public Health Chief for the entire province. So this was another top executive position. He was then arrested in uh, 2021. And uh, while he was awaiting trial, he was put on paid leave by the BC NDP government and was subsequently paid over $700,000 in salary after having been arrested for child sex abuses. He was paid over $700,000 until he was convicted in the summer of 2023 when he was given a 5.5 year sentence in prison. So this is an individual who was the top chief medical officer of health in Alberta, then became the chief medical officer of health in British Columbia, where he oversaw lockdowns, uh, masking, 
rollout of COVID-19 vaccines, and of course, abuses of doctors who try to treat their COVID patients and uh, were writing vaccine exemption letters and so on. Now, the BC government suspended those doctors without pay, but a child sex offender, BC NDP government gave him over $700,000. You can confirm this. This was reported by the mainstream media. This story should have ended Rachel Notley's government, and it should have ended the BC NDP government. Two provincial Canadian governments should have collapsed with this story alone. Instead, um, it was barely reported in the mainstream media. There's a, there are two very serious details about this case. The first is that during the trial, he produced 28 reference letters from top healthcare executives in Alberta and British Columbia, who said he was a good man, that he was a man of faith, and that these healthcare executives would trust their children with him. These 28 healthcare executives in Alberta and British Columbia were trying to keep him out of jail. Their names have not been released. Their names should be released because we should know who are the 28 top healthcare executives who are protecting a child sex offender who was molesting a seven-year-old boy? Very shocking story. Another important point about this is that the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta has kept his Alberta license pristine and clean. There is no indication on the college website of the offenses that he engaged in. It says his license is currently inactive. However, under disciplinary actions, it says none. He has a clean medical license. And when he serves a much shortened sentence, he will come back and the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta will give him his license back as if nothing happened. That's the first case. The second case involves Dr. Fred Janke. Dr. Fred Janke was the president of the Alberta College of Family Physicians. There are two colleges of physicians in Alberta. There's the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta, which handles the licenses of 11,000 Alberta doctors. And then there's a separate college for family physicians that connects family physicians all across Canada and that doesn't issue licenses, but it does issue guidelines to doctors, family doctors, how to practice medicine. He was the president of the Alberta College of Family Physicians during Rachel Notley's NDP government from 2015 to 2019. In 2017, he went to a specific website and a specific chat room where he started arranging attempting to traffic a five-year-old girl from Victoria, British Columbia, to purchase her, to traffic her to Alberta, to have sex with, and to produce child pornography with. What he didn't know was that he was conversing with an undercover police officer, Victoria police officer. He conversed with this undercover police officer for nine months. For nine months, the Victoria police were collecting evidence 
of what he was planning to do to this five-year-old child. Again, a reminder, under Rachel Notley's government, he is the president of the Alberta College of Family Physicians. This is one of the highest healthcare positions you can have. And as such, he would have been connected to all the elite healthcare executives in Alberta that he would have been on very good terms with. Once the Victoria Police had enough evidence, they contacted the uh, Alberta RCMP and he was arrested. Um, he was arrested in uh, 2018 in June. Now, he was awaiting trial. What's interesting about this case is that a few days before his trial in Edmonton, the Alberta Crown prosecutors dropped prosecution of the case and let him go. Now, this is a case where he was trying to traffic a five-year-old girl from British Columbia into Alberta to have sex with and produce child pornography. There was nine months of evidence collected by Victoria Police, and the Alberta Crown prosecutor dropped the case entirely with no explanation. In fact, the spokesman for the Alberta Justice and Solicitor General under Jason Kenney's government confirmed that the Alberta Crown Prosecution Service has independently determined that there was no longer a reasonable likelihood of conviction and stayed the charges, dropped all charges. It is my hypothesis that the Alberta Crown prosecutors were covering up for a child sex trafficking ring involving British Columbia and Alberta and the elites who participated in trafficking children. And they could not allow this doctor to go to trial and potentially expose other clients or expose whoever else might have been involved in this child trafficking ring. That is my hypothesis based on all the evidence available. The story gets worse. Once the Crown prosecutors dropped all charges, he demanded back his medical license in April of 2021. And on, on April 22nd, 2021, the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta reinstated his medical license. And they only gave him a condition that he would have to have a chaperone uh, when he was in the presence of a minor. And of course, when the COVID pandemic hit, this chaperone could be on a Zoom call. That was the only restriction. So, so they gave him back access to Alberta's children. This is very important because, again, this is April 2021. This is the same time that the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta is persecuting doctors for treating COVID patients with early treatments, for writing vaccine exemption letters. They're stripping doctors of their licenses. They're launching complaints against these doctors. They are damaging their medical licenses, making sure they can't practice medicine anywhere else. But if you tried to, sec to traffic a five-year-old child to have sex with and make child pornography with, the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta bent over backwards to give you back your medical license and give you access to Alberta's kids. This is our college of physicians and surgeons. This is what they're doing. 
they are active participants in, in the sexual abuses of Alberta children. Active participants. Now, it is important to note in this case that he continued to practice medicine from April 2021 until his retirement in February of 2023 with a clean medical license in Alberta. And under disciplinary actions on the college websites, it still says none. And the reasons for having a chaperone are not even disclosed. So this doctor was allowed to practice medicine for two years during the pandemic when other doctors who were treating their COVID patients with early treatments, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and were writing vaccine exemption letters, mask exemption letters, or were trying to give informed consent about the COVID vaccines and the dangers of the vaccines, those doctors were being stripped of their licenses, but child sex offenders had their licenses pristinely kept and were allowed to not only practice medicine, but have access to children. That is what the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta did. That's the second case. The final case is uh, another shocking case of a pediatrician, uh, an Alberta pediatrician who was arrested um, at the uh, Edmonton airport with child pornography. And uh, they had actually tracked, uh, he was trying to uh, distribute child pornography involving a child uh, between ages of six and 11 years old. So this was Dr. Ghassan Al-Nami, pediatrician arrested for child pornography in 2019, in August of 2019. While he was awaiting trial, the College of Physicians and Surgeons initially um, had uh, asked him to voluntarily uh, give up his license, but then he wanted his license back while he was awaiting trial. So the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta gave him back his medical license. When did they do that? They gave him back his medical license in September of 2021. While he's awaiting trial, they give him back his medical license. Again, pristine, clean, no record that he had done anything wrong. And they gave him access to Alberta's children with a chaperone that you could do over Zoom. In August of 2023, Dr. Al-Nami was convicted of two child pornography offenses. But it's important to note that for two full years, from September of 2021 until August of 2023, the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta allowed him to practice medicine and have access to Alberta's kids with a pristine medical license. Who are the people who are protecting pedophiles and child sex abusers in Alberta at the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta? Well, the registrar of the college is Dr. Scott McLeod, appointed by the NDP government in 2017, still active as registrar. He has protected these pedophiles and child sex abusers. The associate registrar and the complaints director is Dr. Michael Cafaro. Dr. Michael Cafaro's father was a judge. He was, the, he was the associate chief justice of the Alberta Provincial Court. This is a legal mafia. He 
controls all the complaints at the college and the licenses and how the licenses are affected. So he determines if a person is stripped of their license or if they keep a beautiful, pristine, clean license as these child sex abusers did. Dr. Michael Cafaro has been in his position since 2015, appointed by the NDP government, Rachel Notley's government in 2015. Dr. Michael Cafaro's lawyer, the head legal counsel for the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta is Mr. Craig Boyer of Shores Jardine. Craig Boyer has been the lead counsel for the college since about 2005, but he inherited that practice from his father, who was the lead counsel for the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta since the 1970s. In fact, you can find cases of his father, Donald Boyer, sabotaging doctors and their medical licenses back in the 1970s. This is a, a family, a mafia, lawyer mafia family that has been controlling all the legal processes at the college since the 1970s. One more thing I will add is that the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta is a private corporation. You cannot do a freedom of information request and it does not answer to the provincial government, despite the fact that it is constituted under the Health Professions Act, which the provincial government has full control over. This is the situation in Alberta, and I've just scratched the surface of the pedophilia, the child sex abuses, the child pornography, and the people who protect these child abusers who are engaging in these crimes. So once again, top Alberta Health Services executives who gave reference letters to a child sex offender, 28 of them, who gave reference letters to the court. Then we've got the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta that is protecting people engaging in child pornography, giving them medical licenses, allowing them to practice with a clean record for two years during the pandemic while they were stripping honest, uh, hardworking doctors who were trying to protect their COVID patients and were trying to give them informed consent about the COVID vaccine, were writing vaccine exemption letters. Those doctors were stripped of their licenses. Those doctors were targeted by the college while the pedophiles and child sex abusers were protected. And finally, we have the Alberta Crown prosecutors that dropped the charges of all charges of Dr. Fred Janke and for Dr. Albert de Villiers, who was convicted and sentenced to 5.5 years in prison, the two other children that he molested, the Alberta Crown prosecutors dropped the charges. So these are the people who are protecting the child sex abusers in our beautiful province of Alberta. Thank you very much. Well, that doesn't make somebody angry. Just so wanted to thank Dr. Mackis for uh, standing up as usual and naming names as he's been doing for a while now. He brought up a point uh, I'd just like to touch on quickly. Where is the mainstream media? Um, they're, they're gone. They're not, they're silent on this conversation and they should be here. An email was sent out, many invitations put out, so none of them are here. Um, as Dr. Mack has said, uh, AHS and the College of Physicians and Surgeons are protecting pedophile doctors while abusing and silencing ethical medical doctors. A solution to that is removing the power the college holds. And that could be done with a simple amendment to the Health Professions Act. That could be done today by Daniel Smith, UCP, Alberta government. 
and I believe it's important that the Alberta NDP opposition support such action for the protection of our children. Alberta politi partisan politics must come to an end. That elected representatives on both sides of the Legislative Assembly of Alberta come together and protect our children. The UCP government and NDP opposition must take action today to address the abuse, corruption, injustice, the lack of morality within the bureaucracy of Alberta's justice system, health services, child family services, and police services. That will not happen until we, the people of Alberta, stop the political tribalism, come together outside of politics as Alberta men and women, and demand that all elected representatives come together, take action, rein in abusive, immoral, corrupt, bureaucratic elites, and the public institutions. It takes courageous acts standing up against evil. It takes the love of a brave mother to do so, like Jamie. I know Jamie to be a strong and confident woman, a practicing professional, respected among her peers and friends, articulate, intelligent, supported by experts in the fields of medicine, childcare, and children's psychology. Not many people can become confident in the courtroom like Jamie has in such a short amount of time. She is a loving and passionate mother, grounded in faith and a mother's instinct of protecting her children. For those mothers and fathers listening, hypothetically, imagine you're a mother with very young children, innocent children you protected, limiting content made available to them, purely innocent, then one day your children confide in you that their father and others are doing terrible things to them, sexual things. Imagine you're a mother. Your children come to you, telling you they've been being sexually abused. You're terrified, as their father, their alleged predator, has powerful connections in the public system. Irregardless of that, you take action as a mother. You ensure your children are made safe and report the sexual abuse to authorities. As you're protecting your children, child family services and police order you to return your children to their alleged abuser. The alleged sexual abuse continues. In order to protect your children, to keep them safe from their alleged abuser, you have no choice but to breach a court order. Six months after you first reported the abuse, Child Family Services claimed there's nothing of concern. However, a forensic expert in child sexual abuse assesses your children and reports he believes he can press criminal charges. He believes he can press criminal charges. For nine months, your children are safe again in your sole care. Then one day, there's a knock on your door. Child Family Services with three police officers are there to apprehend your children. No one tells you what's going on. Hours go by. And then you're finally informed regarding the allegations of your child's sexual abuse. Child Family Services say they believe some of those allegations, but not all of them. With no evidence 
Child Family Services say they have concerns you've coached your children. The forensic detective who said he believed charges could be pressed does not respond to your outreach. And rather than placing the children in the care of their grandmother that they love and trust, Child Family Services places your children in a stranger's home, speaking a language foreign to them, adding to their fear and confusion. Your children are terrified. You hire legal counsel. Their legal advice is shocking, advising you to do what the government agencies ask. Don't challenge them, they say. They have tremendous power and resources. Just accept the false narratives because you cannot win. If you challenge them, they say, they'll take your children for good. As a mother, you've exhausted your life savings of over $200,000 in legal fees. At this point, not trusting the state to provide an unbiased lawyer, you study the law and you become confident in the courtroom you are up against a beast. You subpoena 14 key witnesses. Only half are allowed to testify. The disallowed include expert witnesses, a medical doctor, child family workers, and an internationally renowned child psychologist. You see news articles, similar circumstances to your children's, you speak with a parent whose child was also a victim of sexual predation. There are ties corroborating your child's sexual abuse to that case, including names. You contact the city police agency and RCMP. They fail to return your outreach. Calgary Police Services are granted the right by the court to withhold evidence from you as a mother interrogations of your children's accused sexual abuser. A man with powerful connections in the very public institutions you are up against. Imagine you're a mother being controlled by child family services. They punish you and your children for reporting sexual abuse. Imagine this incompetent bureaucracy manipulating, lying, along with court proceeding delays, some delays related to COVID mandates. Imagine the absolute neglect of your children, of your children's well-being, and yet you are the one accused of being neglectful. Imagine your mother who stands against a system with endless resources, a system that bases actions on false narratives and false ideologies, malicious bigotry from all levels of that system. A system that has been conducting itself in this regard for decades. Extremely versed and practiced in their abusive craft, harming, not protecting children, neglecting also the safety and rights of parents and guardians who love and care for their children. A system meant to protect children, doing the exact opposite. Summarize, where would innocent children express such vile and graphic details 
of sexual abuse. Child family, family services claim a mother coached her children with no evidence. A forensic investigator states he believed criminal charges could be pressed. The alleged pedophile is granted unsupervised visits with the children. The mother, who tried to protect her children, only supervised visits for almost four years. The system has kidnapped these children. Imagine as a mother and father that the government holds this much power over your children. Unfortunately, there are many more examples of evil atrocities taking place, many more horrific, inhumane tragedies involving the sexual predation of children in Alberta and across Canada. In outreach from someone in Alberta Victim Services, they gave me two more examples of repeat offenders, pedophiles, being protected by the justice system, bureaucracy, and government. Over two decades, those pedophiles were released time and time again, allowed to prey on children time and time again. In September 2023, lawyer Carolyn O'Driscoll presented before the Chestermere Municipal Council. Speaking of a family member's similar also of a similar circumstance, circumstances plaguing many First Nation communities. A brutal and terrible tragedy. Upon reporting those abuses, Carolyn publicly stated on the record, regarding First Nation communities, there are apprehensions of elders who speak up. RCMP do not disclose evidence to the Crown. Witnesses are never interviewed by the RCMP. Almost no one files complaints. I wonder why. Carolyn summarized, this is a systematic problem. Following that public report, in December 2023, Alberta UCP Government Minister Rick McIver and Municipal Affairs removed that mayor and three council members. Then erased that public record of Caroline's from the public record. This is what we face today. May God be with us all and be with our children. Pedophiles are being protected in Alberta, allowed to repeatedly offend, to repeatedly sexually prey upon Alberta children the bureaucracy within child family services, justice, police, the UCP government, and NDP opposition help protect those pedophiles over Alberta children. Enough is enough, everyone. Our children are the most precious of people on this earth, the most vulnerable. They must be protected from this evil. As men and women, we the people, men and women, need to stand up together, take action, and demand corrupt government agencies publicly are audited, 
and these power structures be dismantled immediately. And so now we're going to play uh, Danny Bulford's message. Danny is a former RCMP, and he stood up through the COVID mandates very courageously. So here's Danny Bulford. My name is Daniel Joseph Bulford. I'm a former member of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. I uh, parted ways with my former profession over irreconcilable differences with uh, what the Government of Canada was doing during COVID-19 and the mandates. I was asked to speak a little bit today about my, no my limited knowledge of this case and my perspective on our duty to protect our children. And there is no more fundamental duty than that as parents, police, the courts, government, as society in general. In a world of uh, many polarizing ideas, I think we can all agree that we want our children to be safe from predators, both online and physically. My understanding of this case is that it involves serious allegations of predatory crimes against children and conversely serious allegations against Jamie by the other parties including the state child and family services the only way to make an evidence-based determination of what is the truth in this matter is to allow both sides, part, all parties, to present their case in a manner that is full, fair, and frank. That is something that we learned when I was a police officer, is that all disclosure had to be full, fair, and frank. Restricting expert witnesses from testifying before the court gives the appearance that there is no genuine effort to find the truth in order to serve the best interests of the children in question. I would like the court to clearly understand that mistrust in government, investigative agencies, and the courts is more prevalent now than any time that I can remember throughout my career as a police officer. Enforcement and court proceedings currently appear to millions of Canadians to have zero basis in evidence and common sense. Rather, government narratives manipulate public opinion, which influence, which ultimately influences decision makers. To people like me, someone who was part of the system for 15 years, it is clear that there are two distinct standards in today's legal system regarding punishment. Number one, there continues to be the slap on the wrist revolving door for repeat dangerous offenders. And number two, it is the hammer for anyone who dares be a, a dissident that may stand up against government mainstream narratives. And what we've seen is that even when the state has weak or no evidence against 
an accused dissident, the tactic of lawfare is employed, where they will just punish you with the process by dragging out court proceedings, destroying you financially, and destroying your morale. I would like all parties and the courts to be very aware that with the current state of things in Canada, to millions of us, any and all efforts to prevent Jamie the opportunity to present a full and robust defense on her behalf will continue to fuel the already shattered trust in our institutions and fanning the belief that the system is rigged against anyone who makes a stand opposing people in high profile positions within our institutions. I have personal experience witnessing a physically assaulted child be manipulated on the stand, an inept prosecution, intimidation of the key witness, which ultimately resulted in the acquittal of an abusive father. The court cannot cut corners. It must hear all evidence in order to make a sound judgment. Anything else, anything short of that, is an absolute neglect of duty to protect and serve the best interests of the children, which is our fundamental core responsibility of our society. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for uh, and everyone having issues hearing. Uh, Dana's going to restream those presentations Thanks, once, we're, once we're wrapped up here. Um, so now uh, I'll invite Jamie to say a few words. And, uh, yeah. Thank you. Um, it is tremendously overwhelming to hear some of the things that were being presented um, by Alberta Health Services um, by the doctor when he did his presentation. And really, I, I have just a couple things to say. I, I would like for, I'm asking for people, one, to pray for me and my family, first and foremost. But I'm asking for other, I'm asking for people to stand up for, yes, my family, but for the families in Alberta that are being torn apart, the torture of children, in my opinion, is indescribable beyond what they may have already faced, and it needs to stop. That's a file. This needs to. Our children are the most vulnerable. They don't have a choice to advocate for themselves. They don't have a choice to stand up and or sit behind a table or to any of those things. They need us to do it. And I can be very transparent that if they can do this, they've done this to me. If they can do this to me, they can do this to, to anybody. Okay? And I have been I'm asking for people to be whistleblowers. I'm asking for people to come forward. I'm asking for families, for churches, for religious organizations, um, for lawyers. Boy, have I talked to lots of lawyers. For lawyers to come forward. 
um, with anybody that has information about the devastation that child family services causes to our children in Alberta, come forward. I'm going to give you my email address and it's going to be posted on Bob's page. But um, I'm not going to be able to respond immediately to these emails, but I promise you that I will, okay? Um, and when I say respond, I want us to get together. I want to, to share our stories together, and I want it to be exposed. That's what I'm asking for you guys as Albertans to do. In my opinion, in my experience, that there's no good faith within this organization, Child and Family Services, there's no good faith. There's bias, there's bigotry, there's there's a ton of things. I think that even when you reflect on what was presented with this, you know, the system of Alberta Health Services, how big this is, it's it's mind blowing to me still how it really is. Okay, and how do how does a mom or a dad that's safe or any other you know just person out there take this on? And I think the only way that we can do that is to put together. So that's what I'm asking you to do. And um, from policing agencies to children family services, the places you're supposed to go, the places you're supposed to report, the appeals that you're supposed to do, um, whether it's to the government directly or appeal boards or I, I believe that I've done it all and with no avail. Um, I most often get the response of, we know that child and family services is not good. We're aware of it. This is government officials telling me this. There's nothing that we can do about it. It's a broken system. You just have to go along with it. And that's very frustrating. And that's government. That's that's lawyers, who I think, you know, a lot of times, some of them anyway have good intentions. And the you know the opinion is just do what they say. The opinion to that is you can't do what they say if it's not true. But if you don't do what they say, then you're going to be attacked. You're going to lose your kids for life. You're going to whatever. What a threat that a safe parent gets, and it needs to stop. So again, I'm appealing to Alberta to come together and let's expose this together. Um, I've been in front of justices that have said to me, I don't have jurisdiction over this matter. Court justices in all border courts. So again, we can talk about, you know, government leaders, we can talk about appeal panels. I don't think there's anything that hasn't been done. I can be in front of a justice, a court of Queen's bench justice or judge, and they will say it's not their jurisdiction. Whose jurisdiction is it then? So I guess that we're going to have to then, I'm calling to, again, dismantle this organization. It needs to be investigated. There needs to be a public inquiry. Um, so many children, so many families are torn apart. It simply just needs to stop. I would like 
to just give you my email address. And again, I'm not going to be able to respond to it immediately, um, but I will within the next couple weeks. I promise it's J A I M E L S C 123 at gmail.com. J A I M E L S C 123 at gmail.com. And again, it'll be. Somebody can post posted. that in the comments. I will go back and post it in the comments as well. Thank you for your time and listening. And it's about the children. Let's just stand up for the kids. That's all I'm asking. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you. And uh, again, it takes a, a very courageous mother to do what Jamie's doing. There's a lot of people telling her to stay quiet and uh, it's not working. And this is not the first time I heard that uh, truth doesn't matter in the courtroom. I see a lot of Albertans being abused and I'm hearing that consistency. Truth doesn't matter in the courtroom. And uh, we need to change that. The only way we change that is by standing up together. Only public pressure will change this. You know, I see uh, people spending hundreds of thousands, million dollars in the courtroom. Makes no difference. Not when the uh, defense and the uh, crown are playing in the same ballpark and are beholden to the law society. So that needs to change. Um, so next, uh, we're going to have uh, here some words of advice and wisdom from our, our good friend, Dr. Roger Hodgkinson, who's also a man of truth, conviction, and passion. He cares for the people of Alberta um, wholeheartedly and for the children of this province and beyond. So, thank you, Roger. Thank you, Bob. Um, ladies and gentlemen, um, there is currently underway a brutal attack on the future of humanity, our children. Our children don't vote, so it's up to us to defend them every way we can. I'm talking here about child rape. I'm talking here about child murder. These are massive issues that are being ignored by all the authorities that could get involved in rectifying this horrendous situation. The most heinous crimes are being committed and not being addressed. This has come about because of a variety of issues. Political indifference, medical indifference, and outright psychological indoctrination of society. Let's deal with those one at a time. Political indifference. Yes, Premier Smith has recently made some statements that are a movement in the right direction, but they fall short of what really needs to be done. We're moving towards a situation, not just in Alberta, but internationally, where essentially your children are not yours. You're merely the industrial production of bodies, and they take that over as wards of the state. 
we've seen that the state cannot be trusted in anything these days. And so why would you trust the state to look after your children? They've become vulnerable because of that to predators of all types, including pedophiles, aided and abetted by all the institutions that should have stood up for them vigorously and failed to do so. Let's list them. The police, politicians. Does anyone remember in Ontario the name Benjamin Levin? He was the Deputy Minister of Education and a pedophile. And he reported to a lesbian premier. Do you think there's a pattern here? Yes. Clearly there is. Child services and their capricious decisions against some fundamental family issues, as Jamie has well described. The courts, political appointees. How do you get to be a judge in this province? You're a good guy for the party and your name's put up at the cabinet table and you give them the thumbs up. And guess what? You follow orders when you're sitting on the bench. The prosecutors are the criminals. How can you win in a system like that? And we've heard from Dr. Macus, chapter and verse on the AHS and the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta. The media are also co-conspirators. You must have noticed, like I've done, this is just my opinion, a very disproportionate percentage of the people on the box with mainstream media are homosexuals. Don't try and tell me that doesn't influence the way they handle the news. That would be the most naive interpretation. We've been infiltrated by minorities with an axe to grind, and they've been very successful. The net result of all of this has been, as Jamie and Bob have stated, a total loss of trust in the institutions that we used to implicitly rely upon. Trust is the cement that holds society together. Get rid of trust and it becomes very divisive. People are alone, are alone. They're vulnerable, they're depressed, they commit suicide. But more than anything, you can manipulate them any way you want which is exactly what's happened over the last four years with the COVID madness. Let's move on to the psychological indoctrination that's been taking place. This has been a stealth attack on humanity by the WEF. Proud of the fact that they've infiltrated cabinet with their opinions and their functioners. Wokeism, is constantly rearing its ugly head. I define wokeism as conformity to elitist ideology. And that's being pursued at every level of education, in particular in universities. It's become the tyranny of the minority. And on top of all that, there's the addiction to IT of our children, 
You don't see one anywhere that doesn't have a cell phone in their hands. And what are they watching? How can we protect them from predators who are penetrating their Facebook page and their other apps? That encourages isolation and hedonistic behavior concerned only about themselves when they grow up and not about society. And then the other slide has been into gender dysphoria, the sexualization of children, the placing of the most monstrous books in school libraries, and the great difficulty of getting rid of them. In fact, we've even seen parents arrested at school board meetings for objecting to it. And moving on to medical indifference, the COVID mandates were the biggest hoax in human history, and they particularly affected children more than any other sector of society. The masks that they were forced to wear on their face for eight hours a day resulted in all kinds of consequences, some medical, some psychological. The buildup of carbon dioxide was at a level that exceeded industrial standards. And not surprisingly, in that cohort of children, we're finding a reduction in IQ. We're also finding a marked reduction in developmental delays. How can you understand interaction with society if you can't see someone smile. Children are being denied that very important aspect of non-verbal communication. They've been restricted in their social interactions. And guess what happens then? They commit suicide. Well-documented cases by Paul Alexander done in the States when he was part of Trump's team. But it doesn't end there. Let's not forget that not a single child anywhere on earth has died of COVID that didn't already have a serious underlying medical problem. They did not need a vaccine. Insisting that they take it as a condition of education, participating in sporting events, etc., etc., attending funerals of their family, They were forced into that, taking this most toxic substance into their body with no ability to resist. Supported by the cream of the crop in medicine, the most prestigious medical journal in the world, the New England Journal of Medicine, its senior editor, the guy that runs the show, may his name be recorded in infamy Dr. Rubin, R-U-B-I-N, Dr. Rubin said on the committee that the CDC was running as to whether or not children should be vaccinated, he said, and I quote, it's out there, you can check it out. We won't know if it works until we use it. Are you kidding me? Using children as an experiment? That's translated into excess mortality of children over the last three years. In Canada, they're afraid of their own shadow. 
No one wants to record the statistics, and if you dare to do so, you'll be reported to your college and admonished for doing so. Witness Dr. Patrick Phillips in Ontario. We rely on other countries. In Britain, there has been a 22% increase in childhood mortality, coincidental with the clot shot, as I prefer to call it, or better described as the death shot. We are killing our children with this unnecessary injection. And it's got to stop. You could call this child sacrifice on the altar of political idiocy. The vaccines in general have never had a formal randomized clinical trial. Any vaccine of any type, it's never happened. Big Pharma has run the show. They've dictated to what the CDC will or will not approve. And it's been an incredible money spinner for them. And information is now coming out that needs to be investigated urgently, but is not. Namely, the radical increase in the rate of autism, which many of us now believe is connected to the vaccination schedules that are absolutely a massive assault on our children over a number of years. And it doesn't end there. They're trying to extend MAID to children under the guise of an individual being, how do they describe it? A mature minor. Would someone tell me what a mature minor is? What a connivance. Killing our children. Again. So in summary, I would say that these institutions and the colleges of physicians and surgeons, in particular across this entire country, have been co-conspirators in murder with the state. Very good. They are supposed to protect you and our children, and they are killing them, and they're closing a blind eye to sexual predators. Remember, at Nuremberg, seven physicians were hanged the perpetrators of this, in this province and everywhere else on earth, should be lucky if they only spend the rest of their lives in jail and don't forfeit their lives because they've killed people and they've killed our children. Having said all of that and described the problem, I think it's very important to talk about potential solutions. I hate whiners. Come to me with how things can be changed for the better. I believe there's an overwhelming need for a citizen inquiry into pedophilia, something that is public, that has nothing to do with government, where all kinds of testimony would be encouraged to shine light on this problem sensitizing the population to the scale of it and how disgusting it is. And after that process, there should be no amnesty, no forgiveness. I'm for raw, rabid vengeance. 
that have to be seen in court and consider themselves lucky if they weren't hanged because they're killing children. Beyond that, I would say this problem of loss of trust in our institutions is so profound that if anyone thinks they can move the needle, even with a, a national inquiry or a provincial inquiry, if you think you can move the needle, you're dreaming in technicolor. It will not happen. Unless this province takes control of its institutions, and I'm talking here about the independent Republic of Alberta. All the institutions, if I could borrow a line from Paul Alexander, they all need to be burnt down to the studs and recreated along the lines of traditional democratic principles. Only by doing that is there any hope of change. Remember, this isn't suggesting that Alberta leaves Canada because Canada, in its actions, left Alberta a long time ago. In addition to that, macro change is terribly important, as Jamie said, for people individually to get involved, to stand up, act, A-C-T, act, get involved in school boards, get involved in constituency associations, wherever you can put your oar in, and pull hard for our children and for society. So really that's all I have to say, except that if we're successful in this and building a Republic of Alberta along the lines of what I call Magna Carta II, this would not just be a magnificent event for the citizens of Alberta but it will be a beacon for the rest of the world for how to redefine democracy. And to think that that started on the tarmac at Atchison with the truckers, that would be such an intoxicating consequence. Thank you very much. Thank you, Roger. Um, for your candid outlook on today and uh, your vision for tomorrow. Roger spoke about made and uh, yeah, that is a big concern, how they're trying to uh, normalize that with children. And uh, Children Family Services have doctors at their disposal that are you know, possibly aligned with that. And when children caught in the system are attempted to be painted with a brush of being depressed, and uh, they want to medicate children that are captured in the system, as a mother, that would be a concern. As a father, that would be a, a concern for me. So uh, I think it's important for everybody to, you know, look into that also. What happened, what I saw happen to children that were in foster care through COVID, getting forced vaccinated was vile and uh, was literally forced vaccinating these children that were caught in the system. So we're in trouble here. Our children are in trouble, so we need to shine a light on these things. Uh, next, uh, Pastor Archipolsky, I'd like you to say a few words on the state we find our province and our country in, and your solutions and your ideas. Well, thank you again. Thank you for 
inviting me here and my heart breaks when I hear stories like this, when I listen to the doctors. And it, almost every single time you're putting a press conference, you get me mad, angry. And I don't know because I am a Polish immigrant, but those things really, really get me mad. And I have very <coughs> ungodly thoughts, very ungodly thoughts. I have a, a little statement. Why am I here? Why are you here? I'm a father. I have three children. I can't imagine anyone, and I mean anyone, coming and trying to touch them or hurt them. That would be the last thing they did on this side of eternity. I am a pastor and also a leader of a political party, the Solidarity Movement of Alberta here in our beloved province. And I care. That's why I get upset and mad. And God cares. And he really does. Children are the future of our country. So the question I have for those that did not come, why not? Why they have chosen not to come? The worst attack is an attack on our children. The people in power used to protect them. Now, as we've heard, they rape them and they snatch them from their parents, from the parents' loving arms. We are here because information is power, knowledge is power. When you know what's really happening, you can perhaps get mad like me and do something about it. Information is power, and it's a power to change, and change must come. I just came from Washington, D.C., and we had a couple hundred politicians in one room, including congressmen, congresswomen, senators, some very big, high-ranking politicians like former prime ministers, and they prayed, and I believe that that's the answer, to humble ourselves as people and to pray to God and ask him for help. Government must change. I am tired of hearing people saying we must make the change from the inside. As a former builder, I can tell you that you cannot build a structure on top of a rotten foundation. Something will happen. Everything will collapse and is collapsing as we speak, as we speak right now. The whole system is collapsing. And the people that will pay for that are the most vulnerable, the children. Government must change. The same people that participated in this criminal enterprise or at least allowed this evil to continue will never punish their own. This is the problem that they have with the leading parties. They will never punish their own. 
And this did not start yesterday. About 10 years ago, I had a conversation with the members of parliament that said that this pedophilia, it, they remember 30 years before. A pedophilia ring in parliament among the members of parliament. They have been attacking Canadian children for a very long time. Indoctrination, Dr. Rogers said, propaganda, sexualization of the minors, and that ensures them the future victims. And the cycle of abuse will not be stopped, but it will continue. Lowering consent to have sex with the minors has been in the work, in the making, for decades right now in Parliament. And only thanks to good, only few good people in Parliament, it was stopped. All levels of government are involved in this. Municipal, provincial, and federal. I reported a mayor in a major city in Canada that was caught red-handed having sex with minors inside City Hall in Canada. And when the agents came to my home, listening to what I had to say, they said, but there's a problem because there is very little we can do about this because of the level of government. Media, Dr. Roger uh, talked about media, they are part of this enterprise. They're bought and paid for. They're silent, not covering the most horrific story of our lifetime. Justice system must again be introduced to something that we have lost, which is checks and balances and accountability we do not have accountability in the so-called justice system. Electing over and over again the same entities that allow and or are part of this corrupt sick pedophilia is in my opinion the biggest crime. I said that publicly, I'll say it again, I do not understand sometimes the mind of Canadians, why would you keep voting for the same criminal mafia over and over again just because they are giving you new promises at every cycle during every election? This I do not understand. In my circle, if you're caught lying or betraying over and over again, I draw a line. That's it. It's over. You've lost your opportunity. And yet, we keep electing the same people into power. I think that's, that's the biggest crime, in my opinion. We need new government. Government that will protect its citizens and stand for the most vulnerable, for the children. And that's what we are promising in our political party.
that we will bring back accountability, we will bring back checks and balances, and the people guilty, not just during the big lie, as I call it the past four years, but people caught in crimes like this will wish they were never born. I truly believe in capital punishment. I believe that those people found on committing treason should be dealt with. We need governments that will protect its citizens and the most vulnerable, the children. There's a quote that I want to read. There is no trust more secret than the one the world holds with children. There is no duty more important than ensuring that their rights are respected, that their welfare is protected, that their lives are free from fear and want, and that they can grow up in peace. All of those things have been taken from the next generation by the very people that swore to protect them. And I want to finish with a scripture, Matthew 18, 6. And this is God speaking. This is not our philosophy preaching. And here is what he says. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, in other words, if you touch the most vulnerable, if you dare to touch God's children, because they are first God's children, then they are parents' children. Never ever they are the government's children. Would be better for you to have a large millstone hang around your neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. One day, justice will be served on this side of eternity or on another side of eternity. But I'm telling you, it would be better for you never to be born than to do this to little children. And if elected, when elected, we will revisit those villains. And be sure of it. If you know anything about me, when I give my word, I keep it. And those people will pay for what they have done, not just to the children, but to the rest of us. Thank you, Art. And uh, amen to that. I just wanted to close with a few remarks here. Everyone that follows me uh, knows where I stand today, that uh, I believe Alberta and Canada is fallen. Why do I say that? Because we have lost our moral compass. When our children are being abused and uh, preyed upon the way it is today, there's no other way to say it. And uh, I am of a firm belief that it's up to us as people, outside of any politics, is to come together, uh, cross the political spectrum, to find a way, some way, somehow, left and right to stand together, demanding both sides of that Alberta legislature, both sides of the House of Commons, all sides, 
uh, get to the table and solve these issues. I just wanted to say this is uh, reminiscent uh, for me and probably you, Roger, beginning of COVID. Here we are, just regular people, um, Albertans, holding a press conference. So at the beginning of the COVID tyranny, uh, there's a few of us who were pushing back very early and uh, Dr. Hoskinson remembers we had a press conference and there was only a few people in the room just like this. And uh, we were very frustrated back then because the mainstream media wasn't standing there with us, but we did it anyway. And Albertans and Canadians educated themselves. They inspired one another. They stood up together and we made a difference. Together we made a difference. That was power as people. And so although the mainstream media isn't here, although independent media here, I just wanted to thank a few people that are in this room. Carrie Lambert, thank you for coming and broadcasting. And Dominique Fournier, thank you also. On behalf of Laurel and Tyler Thompson, also we appreciate you being here, both of you. Um, we need to find a way, everyone. And I'm asking you all, everyone, to come together, to let bygones be bygones, and to stand with Jamie and her children, and all children that are going through these atrocities and abuses. That's the only hope they have, is with us all together, standing together, and standing up with one another in support of uh, our children. So uh, thank you once again, everybody. Thanks to the panelists, and, and most of all, Jamie, thank you so much for, for doing this. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. God bless you all. Thanks for watching, everybody. Stay tuned for an upcoming Chris and Carrie show on this topic. Thank you.